time when film criticism is as provocative as ever, Feelin' Film ventures to change the discussion from what we hate about a film to what we love about it. We judge more on emotional experience than technical merit, because every movie makes us feel something. Welcome, listeners, to the Feelin' Film Podcast. I'm Aaron, one of your hosts, and along with my co-host Patrick, we are ready to embark on this mini-sode to cover a film that deals with some incredibly tough emotions. The story of A Monster Calls is close to both of our hearts, and we hope to talk our way through some of the incredibly strong feelings it provokes. We'd been excited for this one for a long time, and I don't think either one of us was disappointed. Nope. <laughs> so Patrick, as we usually do with these minisodes, we just get right to the point. We jump in head first. We will be spoiling this. That was me jumping in. It wasn't a literal jump, but hey, you know, <laughs> we will be spoiling this film and story for uh, everyone. So if you are listening and have not read the book or seen the movie, please turn away now and come back when you're done. With that being said, Patrick, why don't you kick us off by telling us your history with A Monster Calls? Well, Aaron, my history has been very brief and very recent. Uh, I think it was a few months ago you had mentioned this uh, this book coming to the theater, and um, you, uh, as you do, sharing is caring. You gifted me the audible version of this uh, short story. I didn't realize that it was by one of my favorite authors, Patrick Ness, who is uh, the author of the Chaos Walking trilogy. If you haven't read that, please do. And then you will be high on my cool list. But um, I had hesitated to pop it in because even though it was only a couple of hours long, I wanted to get my full attention. And as you know, the only times that I can really dive into a an audiobook or something that has you know a lengthy amount of commitment uh, from a from my headphones, it's usually a drive on you know a road trip or. Um, maybe a business trip of some kind. Well, Kenya was the opportunity that presented itself. And so while I was in Kenya, I got a chance to listen to this audiobook, and it was incredible. Um, I loved the narration. I loved uh, this particular edition. I don't know if there's more than one audio, audiobook edition, but this one had an interview with the author at the at the end, which was great. It uh, it had like a forward read by the author talking about his history with the author that he was um, attempting to pay tribute to with this with this book and it uh, it was just magical man and so the the opportunity to see the movie and see the adaptation was something I was really looking forward to I'd seen the trailers before even reading the book and Liam Neeson's voice alone sold it for me Um I got emotional <laughs> during just the trailers. I was like, this is going to be really good. And this is going to be really bad at the same time. <laughs> and so getting a chance to see it was, um, I think the only word I could describe right now was just beautiful. It was an amazingly beautiful experience for me. I, uh, I just, I, I just, I loved it. Absolutely yeah. loved it. Yeah. <clears throat> I think, uh, most people ended up with a very similar experience from, what I've heard response wise just from friends and film buffs that I follow on social media and that I interact with on a regular basis. My background is, is very similar to yours. I mean, you mentioned some of it. We've both read Patrick Ness novels, uh, back in our 
kind of YA phases of our life where we were reading every young adult trilogy that popped up <laughs> along with a lot of people our age. Uh, and, you know, I discovered a monster calls a couple of years ago when it first came out. Um, I read it right away. Uh, I, I think I read the book first and fell in love with it. And then I bought the audiobook. I listened to the audiobook. and the audiobook, like you mentioned, is amazing. I, I highly recommend it. The narrator's name is Jason Isaacs and he's one of the best I've ever heard this a narrator for those that are not familiar with audiobooks it will make or break the book I mean it it really doesn't even matter what the story is if your narrator is not engaging and does not do a good job it's not worth listening to and so he enhanced the experience of this for me and made it what up until now was you know my definitive edition edition of it since then I've bought the hardback copy of this book uh, because I wanted to own it because it has some amazing artwork. The first time I read it was on a Kindle. Uh, And then I've been reading it. I read it to my kids leading up to uh, the movie release. And, you know, like you, I was just blown away from the very first time that I read this story. I didn't fully get it, to be honest with you. The first time that I read it, I picked up on some things and some themes, but not nearly everything. I just was really overcome emotionally with it. And I think the more times that I've dived into this story, I've never become less emotional, but I've become emotional for different reasons (laughs) or in a different way right? um, because I understand it on a deeper level or I connect to it on a deeper level. So it's for sure one of my favorite books uh, that I've read ever. Uh, So I was really looking forward to the movie adaptation as well. And this was one I skipped the trailers for. You know, I knew Liam Neeson was going to be doing the monster. I still still hold true whether my kids will agree or not. And they don't darn them. But I think that I have a better monster voice than Liam Neeson. (laughs) No, I'm not going to prove it. You're going to have to take my word for it. Uh, I want you to imagine my monster voice. No. Um, yeah, it was great, man. Do it with a, an English accent though. Oh, that's not a very good monster. That's not very scary. No, but it's, but it's a decent Neeson, right? Maybe. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. Uh, whatever. But, uh, yeah, no, it's a, it was great. It's a very good experience. And I thought that the adaptation was phenomenal. Yeah, I think one of the things that I pulled away from when I left the theater, I was thinking a lot about, you know, what did I just experience? And one of the things I took away from it was the fact that I felt like this book needed to be a movie. You know, a lot of what a lot of times we we hope for the best with our favorite books, favorite stories and hope that the movie adaptation lives up to that. And I think that when I listened to the audiobook or or when you read the book, you, at least for me, I wanted the adaptation. Like I wanted this. I felt like it needed to be visualized. I felt like we needed to see the expressions on the monster's face. We needed to see the expressions on Connor's face. And by the way, I I should have known that I was going to love this movie because movies that have a Connor in them are movies that I am very much a fan of. Hashtag Sing Street Rocks. Um, and so I think that when I, when I just saw this come alive on screen, I just told myself, yes, this needed to happen. And that doesn't happen a lot with me. Like I hope for the best when it comes to book to movie adaptations, but oftentimes it either meets my expectations or it slightly exceeds that. But this just went beyond that. This said, it's, it's, it's almost like this was necessary. Like we needed to see this. Um, as an extension of actually experiencing it from the book. 
Yeah. Yeah. I, I can see that. I, I don't know that I've ever thought a movie needed, or I'm sorry. I don't know that I've ever thought a book needed an adaptation. That's actually a fun conversation that we should have someday. Mm. Um, just in general about books to movies. Uh, but I, I can see where I can, I know what you're getting at. And, and the idea of this is one that would benefit from the cinematic experience of its story, telling its story. And, exactly. And I mean, it, it's got amazing artwork. That's like I said, that's why I got the hardcover because there's incredible images in that, that, that do enhance the storytelling. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe that's, that, we'll just start with that because that's something that I really was blown away by in this film. So I, I expected, I knew what I was going to get from an emotional standpoint. I knew the beats of the story. I knew how it was going to end. I knew where I was likely to cry. What I didn't know was how it was going to handle the monsters stories. Exactly. Holy cow. If it did not completely exceed any expectations I even might've had, I, I, I was just mesmerized by the way that they blended the live action into this animation style. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it, it, it kind of felt like the colors almost seamlessly. I don't know. It, it felt like the seamless transitions were just like reflecting the film's shifting emotions. You know, I mean, like the colors in this movie, the way that the the transitions from live to animated were moving, it was it was very on track with the way the story was going emotionally at that time. And right. um, yeah, the first, I mean, right when we got the first story, I just my jaw was kind of dropping because I was like, is, yeah. "This is what I'm going to get." Okay, yeah, I'm in. Well, I think what you were getting at is there's a lot of movement, um, just visually, but I think it connects with the emotional movement that we get throughout the story. I mean, there is a, there's a journey Mm. that Connor's on and sometimes it's fast. Sometimes it's slow. Sometimes it stops altogether. And I think the stories themselves and the way in which one, it looked like a painted canvas. Like it looked like it was a, I'm creating this on the fly. So as the monsters telling the stories, you have a, a sense of, yes, look, here's what's happening. And it's almost like being interpreted and, I think what we were what we what we were trying to uh, what um, what Bayon was trying to do with those moments is he was trying to say I want you to be Connor in these moments I want you to try to visualize this use your imagination because I remember at the beginning he said you know close your eyes what do you see he goes I don't see anything he goes well use your imagination and when he started using his imagination then the colors started coming out then the paintings and the way in which the story was being told visually really gave us a connection to Connor and how he was kind of interpreting this because this is how dreams work. I mean, dreams are very, very ambiguous at times and very vivid at times. They give like highlights. And, you know, as I, as I watched these, I was, I was thinking about this as a dream and I'm going, you know what? These aren't so specific. The images aren't so specific that I can't remember everything in there. I just remember certain moments, certain characters, certain parts of the story because the visuals weren't as specific. They were just specific enough that I remember the parts that needed to be remembered. And I think, I mean, for me, I think that's what he was trying to do. Yeah, I I agree. I mean, I think it was, um, it, it was intended to be that way as well. He's a very 
visual storyteller anyway. I don't know if you've ever seen his other films. He did um, a horror movie called The Orphanage, um, which is a probably I not. believe it's a <laughs> right. You know, with your history and horror, I, it's a it's kind of a creepy tale, honestly. Uh, but I think that's a Spanish language film. Uh, he's a Spanish uh, director, or I think he's Spanish. Maybe he's Hispanic. I don't want to offend anybody. Um, <laughs> I know there's a difference. Um, he's Latin. <laughs> he was some, born in Barcelona. Some sort of Latin okay. uh, American. Um, but his other film is called The Impossible, and it was based on a true life uh, story uh, about a couple from Britain, I believe, with their kids who were caught in a Thailand tsunami, tsunami that happened several years ago. Um, you might remember this, uh, anybody listening, but it was it was awful awful event and uh these people fought through it they got separated um despite many people passing away in this uh natural disaster they eventually were able to reunite with themselves and and come together again and it's the story of them going through that and just kind of watching his hand at work in that story was very interesting to me and and told me a lot about what i was going to get in a monster calls um, because, you know, he came from that horror background and yet this was like a, you know, survival story, but it was kind of a, a drama and everybody thought it was going to be more of a drama, but he, he took it in a real visceral direction. I mean, it was visually incredible the way that he shot it and he wasn't afraid to, uh, I guess, deal with things directly is how I would put it. Um, not necessarily meaning he felt like every scene needed to have blood in it, but he would deal with scenes in a very real, raw, emotional way. And so I was definitely expecting that going into this movie. And, and that's certainly what we got. And the acting, you know, the acting does what it had to do. Um, mm-hmm. This movie only succeeds as far as the actors can take it. And it's a very small cast. You know, it centers around Connor played by, I think he's a newcomer, uh, Lewis McDougall, who was phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sigourney Weaver as the grandmother, who was also phenomenal. She's not one of my favorites. In fact, I've actually really enjoyed her more in her bit roles later in life, things like Cabin in the Woods and this, uh, versus her starring roles, personally. Um, Felicity Jones, the way better performance than Rogue One. I mean, it's like it's like the complete 180 of her Rogue One character who is so one note and very control it, controlled and steady in her emotion. And, and here it, she is, man, she is acting like it, her. This was much more akin to her um, performance in what was it? The Theory of Everything. Okay. Uh, yeah. She was uh, Stephen Hawking's wife in The Theory of Everything. Um, she was she was amazing. And then, of course, you know, Liam Neeson voicing the monster, but without these performances, again, the story just can't have the right emotional resonance. Well, I think you're right. And I think the equally as much the, the performances of the actors coupled with the screenplay itself. I loved seeing Patrick Ness's name attached to the screenplay, you know, to have someone who is committed to the story enough to say, look, I want to write the script for this. I want to be able to, I don't want to say I have control, but I want to be able to kind of navigate what lines are there and what lines can be omitted. And to me, that says a lot about the intimacy of the story for for him. Um, even in the interview that I listened to 
after the the audiobook, I mean, he was very, uh, very grateful to be able to take uh, Stephen's original idea and expand on it. And I just I, I think that for him as an author, for him as a storyteller, this fit perfectly as a way to continue to tell this story, not just in book form, not just in audiobook form, but now as a motion picture. And so to have a fantastic cast coupled with a really great screenplay, I think that's what really connected me emotionally to all of the story as a whole. Yeah, I have to agree. And, you know, going back to that whole books to movies thing, they are just, I would say 99% of them are better when the author takes a role, a heavy role in writing the screenplay or adapting the screenplay. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's clear when an author is not credited. Sometimes you can, you can see how things get interpreted differently and, and that's going to happen in films. I mean, this is not a note for note remake of the book. There are some differences. Um, they're not huge, but there are some small differences. Um, and it, it, that's just the way it is. It's a visual storytelling medium versus something you're reading. It's, it's different. Um, right. but yeah, I think, I think having the author so involved to keep the tone and keep it headed in that same general direction uh, is very important. Yeah. So th- the big thing about this film or the big, the big things about this film, in my opinion, are this is a book that teaches us lessons. Um, <laughs> <laughs> right. You I know speak that, the truth. <laughs> that's such a simplification of it, but you know, that's why I wanted to read it to my kids because it's, it's kind of like a fairy tale in that it uses a fantastical story. Well, it does actually literally use fantastical stories within its own story. That's kind of fantastical um, to give lessons and teach life lessons or um, make you think about emotions that you're having and process them and kind of work your way through them. Yeah. So I'm going to ask you what is your biggest, what is the number one for you as far as your, lesson from this what do you when you read it the first time or when you saw the movie either one maybe it's the same maybe it's different but what did you really connect to the most what 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 did you walk away going okay that's what i'm thinking about primarily well i would have to say it's this idea of the safety of being able to be angry and to be able to release all that that's inside um to help begin to heal and I think we both knew going into this episode that we were probably going to leave it open to be able to share some personal things. And so if I can feel free to, to oh, share. I, I mean, I think, I think that this is a very personal movie. That's, that's yes. what it does. And I don't think that you can, you know, accurately describe the way it affects us without doing so. So yeah, by all means, man, if you're, if you're comfortable. Yeah. So several years ago, this is before my, my accident um, that we've talked about on the show, the running accident. I was at a real crisis of faith. I was, you know, life was really, really tough between, um, it was getting tougher with my wife and I. I was on the beginning stages of understanding battling depression. Didn't realize that until, you know, several months later. And I had what I called this outburst, which was, there was a moment, um, 
this one evening where something happened and other stuff had been building up inside of me. And this was a something this this particular thing had happened that was a breaking point for me. And I remember just yelling and saying, I hate my life. <laughs> I can't I can't do this anymore. And I remember telling my wife, I said, if this is the abundant life that God has promised us, I don't want it. And I left the house, drove around, came back, tried to sleep, <laughs> woke up. Well, got out of the house again at three in the morning. And I specifically remember driving to a parking lot and saying to God, saying, if you're real, (laughs) you talk to me right now. You have 10 minutes. Like I'm giving an ultimatum to the Lord, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) What in the world? And I listened and there was nothing. And I specifically remember a scene from a monster call from the movie where Connor you know, after he, it's after he runs, after he, after this pivotal moment with his mom, and he runs, and he's running and running, he runs to the tree, and he just goes, ah! He just yells. And that's exactly what I did that night. I just yelled for like, I think, 15 solid seconds as much as I could. And I remember that whole day I couldn't talk very well. I had to go to work the next day, and so I was hoarse. And people were like, are you sick? And I'm like, sure, I'm sick. And I remember just going through that experience and having to uh, get to a point where for a long time I hadn't been honest about my frustrations with, with, with life. And in my faith, you know, there's this rule that you kind of, you know, talk to God about it, talk to God about it. And I guess I felt like I was holding that back. So for me, it took several days and, and several weeks for me to get to the point of saying, look, I've got to be honest about who I am and I've got to be honest about my life and say, you know what? God's good, but life sucks right now. <laughs> and then of course, a couple of weeks later, I had my running accident and that began a journey of healing for me, not only physically, but also spiritually and emotionally of me being able to say, you know what? God's goodness extends beyond my situations and beyond my circumstances. And so it's what it's done is it's helped me to be completely open and honest with him about things that go on in my life and me saying, just God, I, I don't know how to deal with this. And I'm just going to tell you, life sucks right now. And I don't know what to do about it. So, you know, here I am. And there's something really freeing about that. There's something freeing about being able to say, look, I'm not going to be judged. <laughs> I'm not going to be told that I have to keep a smile on my face, that it's okay to be sad sometimes. (laughs) And this movie really helped to validate that uh, in in terms of how Connor grieved and how he got to the place where he did and letting letting the things that he let go, uh, go. And expressions on his face and reactions that he had, I completely connected with. And those are the moments when I teared up because I was like, that's me, that was me. That was that was so me, and that continues to be me here and there, but um, but it, it but there was something wonderful about it, uh, that kind of me too mentality, and uh, and I, and I was I was grateful I was grateful to see that on screen and go <laughs> he gets it <laughs> gets it with me, so yeah that that's kind of what I took away the safety to be angry and to be able to release that and have that safety that place of safety to be able to do that. That's great, man. Uh, appreciate you sharing that. These. Uh 
it's it, it's definitely a film that will take each person in their own their own mental path or their own they're gonna you're gonna go down your own memories or go into your own memories and you're gonna approach this one with your own life in mind and so you know for example you know people who have lost a parent um, are probably going to connect to this in a different way than people who have not and so you know that's my personal story regarding this really is in uh, 2014 i lost my mom uh, to a disease and it wasn't cancer uh, and it wasn't directly related to you know a disease but it, she had been a lifelong diabetic uh, who had fought through that for many 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 years and and many additional complications that had come with her diabetes and she'd outlived her prognosis by literally decades so you know we were no strangers to um, these scares um, and we'd had one a couple years earlier where we really almost lost her. Um, and, uh, and so, so this, this was happening and, you know, I, I don't think I'm alone because I know that I'm not the only person in the world who has, you know, held their parents' hand as they quite literally took their last breath and, you know, and, and Connor's, so the, the scenes with Connor saying goodbye to his mom, essentially, um, and trying to get through that um, is where I lose it the most. I mean, and I and I, I cry throughout this movie. I connect to it in many ways, and and I love what you brought up because I think that I think that these things all tie together. You know, it's I, I asked you that kind of for a reason about like which one was your number one or what was your primary thing you took away from it because you actually in your in your story you 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 hit on multiple things that this movie teaches us or tells us. Um, and I, and I don't think that you can separate them always. I think they're all kind of part of that process. Mm. Um, and you know, like you were saying, so for me, it's, it's really the grieving process and just trying to accept what is actually happening and then being able to understand it. And it's, it's the importance to, to know that it's okay to be angry. Um, it's the importance, like you said, it's the importance to know that it's okay to have kind of whatever emotions you're experience, experiencing. And, it, and it's not always going to be anger. Some people are going to deal with things in a much different way. Some people are going to shut themselves down and they are going to be a loner. They're going to be quiet. Um, they're going to be introspective. Um, they're going to need to go on walks all the time and not be talked to. Some people are going to need to go out and party and be in public in loud spaces um, so that they can not deal with it. I mean, there's people deal with these things in so many different ways. And the thing that one of the things I get from this is that it's, we need to understand that it's, it's okay to do that, that it is a process that each person's going to go through individually. Um, and that there's a lesson here in empathy and understanding um, the trying to take yourself out of what, your reaction to a situation might be. And we see this from his grandma and to some extent, even his dad, there are projections of what they believe Connor should be doing, how they believe mm. Connor should be grieving. Like this is that's how good. you should be acting right now because your mom's dying. <laughs> but that's not how it works, man. That's, that's not how it works. And, nope. um, you know, I, I have someone very close to me who had, had lost her dad. And I look at, 
the way that she reacted to that process or that, that event versus the way that I reacted to losing my mom. And they are like almost polar opposites. Um, you know, she was a complete wreck. She was just out of it for almost a year or so. She just, she just couldn't, she had a real hard time getting past it and accepting it and grieving. Um, and for me, I, I didn't, I, I was more of the internalization, you know, and I, I was kind of, I was quiet and people would ask me, they're like, are you okay? Are you okay? And I'm like, I'm fine. I'm fine. And people are kind of like, yeah, you sure you're fine? Like (laughs) you should be, you know, crying right now or something. And that's what we see here. We see Connor being put these or having these expectations put on him. Um, And I, I, I love the line. I think it's probably my favorite line in the movie. And I believe it's, is it, I think it's the monster that says it, but he says belief is half of all healing. Yeah, he says it. Yeah, and I think that that's really key here. And whether it's belief like you're talking about in your story, but or it's just believing in the fact that you can see a better tomorrow, <laughs> that that you can feel mm-hmm. differently the next day. Um, that you have to have that that it's that idea of hope and the idea that you have to believe that you can get past this. Yeah, and then once you're th- once you've done that, then the healing process can really kind of start rolling down the hill i agree with that and i think another element of that that's an extension is this idea of being honest about it and that's something that i took away from my story one of the experiences i had was the honesty of that and i think that part of um part of what the monster's role is i mean he says it several times you know speak your truth speak your truth when Connor doesn't want to, he wants to just hold it in. Right. And it's not about confession. It's about, it's about him admitting. It's about him saying out loud the thing that he will not admit. And, and as a result, he is speaking his truth and he's being honest with himself about it in that he doesn't want to let her go. And he's afraid of how it will feel because he knows that she's dying. And I think that, that's, I mean, I think that's why that's such a pivotal scene because all of that truth, all of those lessons are coming into that one moment. And what I love about that is after he does all that and he basically tosses himself off the cliff, he's caught by the monster. And I love that he goes, I'm so tired. And he just curls up like a, just like a little kid, you know, because he is. And he just curls up like a, like a little child does in their parents' lap. And I just, I, that was such a, just a, such a beautiful moment because I felt like that after crying and after yelling and after just screaming at the top of my lungs, just wanting to fall back and be comforted by someone and not just be told it's okay, but just to be held. And I feel like that visual, uh, connected a lot of people because that's how we feel after we've completely exhausted ourselves emotionally. We just want to be held. We just want to sleep. We just want to not have to think about any of that stuff anymore and not have to experience that for just a minute. And, um, and it was beautiful, man. It really was. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, it, it's, it is a fantastic representation of what it's like to go through some of these steps. And, and, it, and yet I say the word steps and I almost, I gotta be careful here because what the film does not do and to its credit is try to take us through a thematic seven step process um, or tell us that it has to be like this. It gives us that room and that freedom to breathe and to, 
to evaluate for ourselves kind of what that's going to mean to us. One of the other things that I, I took out of it is um, there's, there's this specific line that kind of talks about punishment where um, I don't remember if Connor, I think it's Connor. He, he's destroyed everything. Um, and says, you know, to, I think he's talking to his grandma. He's, was he talking to his grandma when he says this? He says, you know, what, aren't you going to punish me? Mm-hmm. And it's yeah. either her or the monster. I can't remember. Somebody says, what would be in the point in that? And it's her, it's her. And I love that line. And that one, that one hits me really hard as a parent. And this is, this is kind of like almost like a different lesson, but I think that it reminds me that I need to always consider where my kids headspace is and what the reason is that they are doing a certain action. Um, you know, as they've gotten older and now they're teenagers and preteens, they're smarter. (laughs) And so things have happened where, you know, we've had to do some punishments here and there. And, um, for example, let's, let's use lying as a, as an example here. Um, I do not like being lied to, whether it's by a kid or a, a family member or a friend or a coworker or peer, whatever. I can't stand it. I'm all about the truth. Heck, I have a tattoo on my wrist that says, give me truth. Um, so it's a big deal to me. So for my son to lie to me, um, it really disappoints me and it really hurts me. And my immediate reaction is, okay, how do I fix this? Wh- what am I going to do to you because you did this thing? It's like, what's the reaction going to be? And this line in this movie really reminds me to kind of take pause. And not that punishment is never, there's never a point in punishment. But there's not in this grieving process, of course. But in re- in other situations, it's to think about why am I wanting to punish you? Wh- what is the goal of this? Um, you know, let me get to the root of why did you lie to me? What was going on in your head? What were your reasons? Not what are my perceived reasons for your lie, but what were you intending? Even if that's not what happened, uh, and it it changes for me. It changes my mind and my heart uh, so that I can evaluate more clearly what I'm actually thinking about punishing for. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes sense. I, I think that it's interesting that you picked up on that, which I can definitely see. I picked up on something a little different because of the kind of repetition of that phrase, you know, what, you know, what would punishing you, you know, what would be the point? Because not only does it, his grandmother say it, but also the principal after he goes ballistic on Harry, I think is, is that Harry? Yeah. Mm-hmm. The kid from school. And to me, what that said was those two moments told me that those, those guys, the principal and his grandmother understood what he was dealing with. And, um, so there is a lesson. I mean, there, there's empathy here and understanding, uh, but it's, there was part of me that I guess because I was, I was connecting that to Connor being invisible, particularly to, to Harry. And I thought, you know, there's a part of me that thought that he wanted to be punished because it would at least make him feel like he was there. Like he was visible, like he was present. I wholly agree with you when we getting back to the movie. Yeah, no, I I completely agree with that's the reading of Connor. Okay. Okay. So yeah, I think, uh, but 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 your point is 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 well taken and, and completely. I, I get that completely. Yeah, it, it was a side a side thing, and I think 
I just I just kind of wanted to mention it because it's, I, you know, we can focus in on what the majority of people are going to take out of something, and I I found that that's one of the things I love about this story is that it's not just about that grieving process. Like I can I can find these moments and I can relate them to other pieces of my life that aren't necessarily around a grieving process. And that's really incredible to me um, to be able to, to do that. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's good enough when it's talking about grieving. Um, but it's nice to have the ability to pick on other things as well. For sure. So I wanted to ask you this, you know, you and I have talked, you know, briefly because we wanted to kind of save all of our, discussion for the the episode um and it's sort of in the same lines as you know what lesson did you take away from this but i wonder you know you walked away having an emotional response to this i walked away having an emotional response to this and what was there any particular thing beyond the things was there a particular moment or a particular um conversation that stood out to you that if you or the movie as a whole that that kind of stirred you that said wow this was good because i mean i know there were probably tons of things but was there one thing that stood out to you as saying this is why i connected with this is that kind of a loaded question yeah Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) because i know there's probably a ton but was there one thing that really stood out to you or a conversation or a scene or something that if you could if you could leave it with one moment and say go see the movie for one for this one moment if you could only pick one moment or something i think those would be two different things then i think if i'm thinking of the thing that you know resonates with me the most or my if i was going to you know if, if we were doing a full on episode and we were doing our connecting points it would it would mm-hmm. definitely revolve around connor's final moments with his mom um, mm-hmm. like i said just having had that experience having been in that room um, and watch that happen. It's, it's really hard to go through that again. Mm-hmm. Um, but it both stirs up my grief and also reminds me of my mom in a positive way, if mm-hmm. that makes sense. Um, yeah. you know, cause I mean, I'm not going to lie, you know, we, the canned answer is, Oh, I think about my passed away parents every single day of my life. Maybe I do. I don't know. Uh, but it's not, mm-hmm. you know, that's not realistic, to be honest. It's not. It's a great Hallmark card. But it's not mm-hmm. truly the way things work in life. We're busy people. We go through our daily motions. And maybe there are days that go by that I don't think about my mom. But when I'm watching this movie, I thought about my mom. <laughs> and I missed my mom. And it and it reminded me of how amazing my mom was to me. And it reminded me, in watching the way his mom treats him, of how a mother also is trying to comfort and calm their child going through this because mm. I had many of those moments and then I can look at this and see myself in the parent role. If I was going through this, my goodness gracious, like mm. how could I possibly do that? So th- that scene in particular is the one that just, I, I think is so powerful for a yeah. lot of people. Um, if yeah. I was going to say, go see this movie though, for one reason, so that would be my answer for why do you need to experience this story? But if mm-hmm. I was going to say, why are you going to see this movie? 
it would be for the animated stories of the monster because I, I think mm. that that is okay. what makes this film. And I think the story alone was a was a five star story for me. But I think the animated sequences and we talked about it before. But like that integration and the monster's voice being Liam Neeson and just I think that was so expertly done. Like that's what made it a five star movie for me. Cool, man. I like that. And your your first response, um, both were fantastic uh and and i loved i loved hearing that the first one was actually kind of what i was getting at so i appreciate you clarifying for me i win yes i got it right yeah (laughs) the prize but i think that one thing i took away from this because i you know i haven't lost a parent um thank goodness yeah you know it's going to happen though right i mean i'm going i'm going to lose my mom and dad at some point um at least if, you know, if, if time is, is the, is the, um, dictator of that, you know, unless something, you know, I don't even want to think about anything else, but anyway, so, uh, in some ways I feel like the way that I connected with that is this idea that, you know, you said this reminded you of your mom, your relationship mm-hmm. with your mom. And it, I think for me, when I, when I watched this, there's something important about remembering there's something important about knowing about your, you know, about remembering your past, you know, stories. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I believe there's a, there's a great quote. Uh, stories are important. They can be more important if they carry the truth. And I think that when we, when we think about our past, when we think about the regrets or about the decisions that we've made that shape our lives, um, moments in our lives that cause us sadness, that cause us anger, that cause us frustration, that cause us joy, all these, just this gamut of emotions, there's truth in all of those. And so when we tell those stories and we tell them with the truth of, and the honesty of how they made us feel and how they shaped us and how they make us who we are, that's when they become more important than just a funny anecdote that you say at Christmas. Or that inter- you, more you know. than entertainment. Exactly. And so it's, it's, it's about being honest, yes, but it's also about seeing the big picture of your life and how it's being shaped by everything around you. And that's a big value. That's something really valuable that's, that's, that's been a part of my life um, since, that, since that moment of my quote-unquote outburst that I have to embrace the bad with the good because even the bad brings about that goodness. You know, We talk about our failures leading to our successes, and there's truth in that. There's truth in the fact that when we look at the places that we were and we see where we are, um, not to compare necessarily, but we see the growth in that. And I think the grieving process, however it's done, because it's so different for every other per- for every person that grieves in whatever way, for whatever reason, that process leads us to, I think, a better place if we grieve in a, in a healthy way. And this movie touches on that in a lot of ways. It, it you know, it's, it's, it, what I love about it is not heavy handed. It's very subtle when it needs to be. And it's very direct when it needs to be. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so the, I connected with both of that, both of those particular, uh, types of storytelling. That's awesome. Yeah. It's, it is incredibly balanced. I'm glad you mentioned that because it's, it's what makes it great. I mean, that's what elevates it. You know, there's those, those, mm-hmm. those, those things that elevate something beyond good to greatness. And those, that's one of them. Um, is to be balanced and to to know it's a talent it's an art um 
and you know it makes me more curious about the writer and Patrick Ness and you know I wasn't a huge fan of his chaos walking dog um dog see I'm already I'm already thinking about it you know where I'm going with this um trilogy because of this stinking dog um that just keeps saying poo Todd. Poo. Poo. Oh, Poo. Poo Todd. Poo Todd. Oh, stop. Stop it. <laughs> and I just don't know how we get from Poo Todd to this, like, complete <laughs> emotional wrecking of a, of a story. But, um, you know, he has another book out called More Than This that you actually mm-hmm. gave me. I've had it near my bed for, I'd say, three years now. I've never cracked it open. Is it any good? I, it's on my reading list for this uh, for <laughs> this year. Okay, good. You haven't so. read it either. I don't feel as bad. Uh, yeah, <laughs> so that's that's an interesting one. I think actually I've read a little bit of it, but I haven't ever finished it. Uh, but it's 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 interesting to me to see how someone can be inspired to write something so deep and so completely in touch <laughs> with the mm. emotions of of millions of people, and yet can also write something more lighthearted and um, entertaining. Um, you know, it, it's just, it, it's, it's a cool scene to, about an artist. An artist doesn't have to all be one thing, not, right. not canned stereotype who can only write mm-hmm. one certain way. Um, so well, it's, it's, I think it is. Yeah. Go ahead. No, I was just, I was done. Okay. I was just going to say, I think because of his inspiration from Dowd, mm-hmm. yeah. I, I'm curious to know how much was actually complete. Good point. Before. before. Yeah. And I'm not, I'm not discrediting Patrick Ness for not doing, cause he wrote the screenplay. I mean, of course the screenplay came from the novel, but so. I'm pretty sure he did about 70% of this based on his interview and based on the things that, that I've read. But um, he definitely credits the characters and the overall like like plotted out story to, um, to her. And so I think that, you know, it's <laughs> as, a, as, a, as a humble author, he would say, this wasn't about me. But I mean, I, th- I think, you know, he brought it. You know, he's the one that brought it to us. And so there is a little bit of a, um, there is a little bit of kind of awesomeness in the fact that uh, he can be so diverse in how he writes and the stories he tells. He may have had kind of a push with with her outline and her characters, but at, at the end of the day, it's his story. Yeah, totally. Well, the the one last thing I want to mention before we, we finish this is just uh, the other cool thing about the visual storytelling medium that stuck out to me um, is the there were a couple of pictures of the grandfather of a uh, Connor's grandfather yeah. and they are, they are not lingered on. They are literally shown. And then the camera is almost when they're shown, the camera is always moving and it's moving past them. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's at least two occasions specifically where they do this and you see Liam Neeson in the family photo. And I, I was nudging my daughter going, did you see that? Did you see that? And I don't think she was connecting Liam Neeson's voice with his, his looks because she's more familiar <laughs> with his voice um, just from this. And then from like taken and memes and stuff. But um, yeah, anyway, I, I thought that that was awesome because that's one of the things that is an underlying point in this tale is the idea of, you know, these, these stories that the monster is telling are retellings of memories that Connor has from his grandfather and stories that his grandfather's told and things that he and his mother have experienced, um, over the course of his life. It's like this mishmash of memories being put together into this dreamlike world and stories, you know, compacted into stories that can be repurposed for a new lesson. And the bit, the way they can do that visually is not something you can do in a book. You, you have to be direct about it. You have to say, 
hey, there's a picture and it looks like his grandfather. You don't have to say that in a movie. You can let your audience see it. And I, I really enjoyed that. I did too, man. In fact, I wanted to say that, uh, you know, after I'd seen the movie, like, did you see Liam Neeson? <laughs> but I wanted to wait for the podcast. I'm so glad you brought it up. It's, yeah. It's so cool. Well, I think that's about it for us on this one. Um, I think it's time to wrap it up. So if people want to come share their thoughts with you or with us, where can they do that online? Check me out at Twitter. I'm at Shoeless Patch, S-H-O-E-L-E-S-S-P-A-T-C-H. You can also find me at Facebook.com slash Shoeless Patch, or you can check out my mumblings and writings and whatnot at ThisIsPatch.com. I'd love to keep the discussion going with you. There's a there's a lot that we did not get into. And so if you guys have anything else that you want to discuss with me, you can hit me up on any of those social media places. How about you? Uh, you can find me anywhere online at Aaron L. White, A-A-R-O-N-E-L-W-H-I-T-E. Um, that's Twitter. That's Facebook. You can find me tweeting and using the Feel and Film uh, related social media sites as well, which are all very easy to find. Um, or feelandfilm.com. One thing that I would love to hear as well, um, there we do have a Facebook discussion group that you can find. There's links to that in the show notes and on the website. But if that's not your thing, you can do it on Twitter. You can send us an email at feelandfilm at gmail.com. But I would really love to hear uh, from anyone willing to share um, your own emotional experiences with this story. I know Patrick and I kind of got a little personal with our own, um, that's not going to be everybody's and it would be, it would be very meaningful to me. Um, and I'd be honored to hear some of your own stories related to this film and what it, what it, how it touched you and how it made you, uh, react emotionally. So if you're willing to do that, you know, find us on the social media platforms or, or send us an email and let us know. Well, that's it for now. Uh, we'll be back with our regular episode next Sunday night, early Monday morning. Uh, but until then, stay positive. And keep feeling film.